Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome to this week's No Limits, the Scott Harvath Podcast. What's new today, Mike? Not much. We're getting a late night pod in because we had to go back and record after we recorded the last Patriot and said, we'll talk about the Dead Fall cover. Well, less than 24 hours later after that, we got the Dead Fall cover, so... We just released that episode. You you probably already heard it. And now we're back here for The Last Patriot Part 2. Yeah, this you're going to enjoy the second part of this conversation, even though we already... Yeah, I can say that because we already recorded it. It was a really good conversation. One thing we forgot to highlight, um, and I'm not going to... Another thing I wanted to read, but we were just so like into the conversation, I didn't read it. But go check out the synopsis for this book, the little, little book jacket. I'll just read... The last line from it. What Jason Bourne was to the Cold War, Scott Harvath is to the War on Terror. Bang. That is a bold statement right there, my friend. Damn. Yeah, this thing has a 4.2 on Goodreads. Not bad. And 4.6 on Amazon. You know, it got got pretty good ratings um, from both. So you'll find out at the end of this pod what we rate this book. Right, right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue. I wouldn't argue with with those those numbers. Yeah, the Amazon one a little higher, but um, yeah, we said our piece on this episode. I think you'll enjoy it. Oh, but Chris, there was something you missed in the synopsis. So that was a good line about Jason Bourne. But you got to hear this one, and it goes, "Quote: There once was a man in Monticello." <laughs> Oh no! Wait a minute. That's just my writing. Should That's your limerick. That's your limerick. You forgot oh, your limerick, okay. oh, Mike. Not, not oh. the synopsis. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. I thought one of my lim- limericks might have got published. I must have mixed up the notes here. <laughs> there once was a man in Monticello. His name T.J. Quite the fellow. An ancient manuscript. Scott and Nicholas must decrypt. A secret the Islamists want to quello. Ooh, quello. That's clever. Not I much like rhymed that. with Monticello, so I had to go with yeah. he's a jolly good fellow and Quello. <laughs> hey, whatever, whatever makes it work, man. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right, guys, we hope you enjoy second part, the last Patriot. One thing of the plot that we did not bring up that I wanted to get your comments on is the president Scott and, and the president. The president. So oh, we yes. We, we didn't talk about that yet. I, yes, especially coming off the last book where I said one right. of the big questions for me is, one, how do they make up? Do I buy it if there is an apology and they do make amends? I couldn't picture a way Scott comes back into the good graces of the president. So, yeah, I'm wondering if you're satisfied. I'll, I'll just say I was pretty satisfied. And the, I think the reason was that Tracy was the linchpin. Right. I was a little confused that, you know, Tracy had these headaches and I get it. And then I understood Nichols argument of Tracy left because she didn't want to put you in a position of taking care of her versus completing the mission because Tracy knew that that would that would hurt Scott. You know, it would distract Scott and he'd make that choice to save her and she wanted to let him loose. But that meant she got taken by the French authorities. So. Because it was something that big and you could tell the urgency in Scott's voice wanting her to get taken care of. He even tells Lawler at one point on the phone, what hospital is she at? I'm going there. And Lawler's like, you can't go there. She's under so much surveillance after a bomb went off and she was at the scene of the crime. A shootout that killed police, two police officers and she was at the scene of the crime. There's no way you're going to get near the hospital. And then Lawler's like, in his mind. Actually, that's probably wrong. He knew damn well Scott would be able to get into that hospital and see Tracy. So the urgency that Scott had to want Tracy taken care of and the president being the best possible asset to provide that and put pressure on the French through diplomacy and and, and other um, avenues, I thought was a good reason Scott had to play ball. And to do it over a game of billiards, which another thing we learned that Scott is very good at, and Scott's good at everything, man. Eventually, and the, eventually, the president just drops a straightforward apology. I put you in a bad place. I had to make a call, and the decisions I made put you and your family and loved ones in danger. And I was the reason that you were handcuffed and couldn't save them. 
And I thought all of that culminated very well to that handshake, formal apology. And then as professionals, they both said, we're moving on from this. And I bought it. Were you satisfied with it? Yeah, no, because, you know, it was the, we mentioned it, it was the elephant in the room in the last book in terms of we didn't buy that this president would do this to Scott. And it just felt so out of character. And like you said, it it had to be addressed in some way. And I was just waiting for it. And because we know that the president is on its way out. This is the last book we're going to have with this president. So, you know, it's. Because also, Scott's got to be brought – the last book ended and the, this book takes off with, you know, Scott formally renouncing his job with the OIA and Gary Lawler and, and you know, being wanting to be a part of the Apex Project and what, like, you know, whatnot. So it's something that had to be addressed. And I think that Brad did a good job of bringing the back, two back together, sort of like commenting on giving a little bit more reasoning for why the president did what he did while acknowledging that he had to apologize to Scott and then bringing them back together. And yeah, I I think like by putting Tracy as this linchpin to bring about the apology and bring about like how Scott and Rutledge have to work Mm -hmm. together now. Yep. Worked for me um, very well Yep, Uh, in the scene, you know, with with the, with the billiards, Scott takes a Diet Coke. He's, he's carrying a gun. So rightfully can't, can't be drinking. Yep. Um, That was good. So I, I, I really dug that scene, and I, I'm glad that I, I remembered to bring it up with you. All right. I'll agree with you. All right, two big ones I want to get into. Don't know your take on this based on how we're talking. Good guys, bad guys. Uh, you tell me. Did you buy into the cast of characters of Matthew Dodd, this disgruntled CIA officer who loses his wife and child in this car accident, to a drunk teenager and this girl gets off scot-free because who you know whoever her parents were and he's lost his entire family and so he's looking for purpose and meaning in life and he finds that in islam how it's so assured of its dogma it's a way of life it's a way of viewing the world and to be honest he sees it as a path for peace while he is an assassin he does ultimately believe america succumbing to islamist principles are a good thing and the path forward because his moral compass was so lost that this oriented him. It gave him a foundation that he believed was true, a foundation that would lead to eternal rest, and it brought him comfort. But do you agree with how he was in bed with the extremists? I I think, what was his name? Mullah Omar or Sheikh Omar, who runs this mosque and this organization, FAIR. And this was interesting, speaking bad guys. The whatever they called it in the book, but it essentially was the analog for CARE, which is the Council on American Islamic Relations, which is a real organization which sues people and fights Islamophobia. And, you know, basically, yeah, it was the foundation for yeah. American Islamic relations. Yeah. yeah, foundation in the book. But in real world, it's called the Council on that. That's a real thing. Do you believe that groups like that have been infiltrated by these extremists and Islamists who ap- actually do want to impose Sharia law? And someone like a Matthew Dodd, a fallen away case off, uh, CIA case officer, and actually a special activities division black ops kind of guy, could be bedfellows together. What did you think about the cast of villains? So Dodd is an interesting case to me because I both liked him, but also thought that his character was a little bit underdeveloped in terms of, you know, the storyline with his wife was almost like, it was brought up, but not really delved that deep into his like emotional. Like, yeah, yeah. I guess you're supposed to read more into it, but this is not a movie. You know, it's 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 a it's a novel. So, like, say it to me. You know, yeah. like, you know, let right. let it breathe a little bit. Like, I wanted a little bit more of his understanding of like how he turned to yes. these people, yes. because in the end, he makes what I believe is the right call to do. Right, right. in terms of like, turning his back and you know essentially leaving it in Salam's ham, what to do with, with this revelation, with this, you know, whatever information he gleans from, you know, what Thomas Jefferson, as well as that, um, what is the guy from Afghanistan? Oh, um, El Jazari. Yeah. The, the scholar, yeah, the, the, the scholar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, leaving it in his hands, what to do with this information. I wondered a little bit more about like why he became this assassin or, or you know, well, obviously he was a CIA 
in the CIA before it, um, why he turned on America. I wanted a little bit more on that. And then, you know, I think putting this, you know, the Salam character as this opera, what what was the name of the operation they were running? Oh, Glass Canyon. Glass Canyon, where Fair actually, because he thought he was working for the FBI. But he was a plan for Fair. But in actuality, he was a plan for Fair to suss out people that are going to turn on Fair. Yes, yes. Like, that was an interesting little little wrinkle. Like, uh, you know, and I'm I'm sure, like, institutions like this, you know, do that kind of stuff. Opposition research. Have a spy within yourself, but you're you're spying on yourself to see who's going to spy on you or who's going to leak on you. Like, um, that was a that was a cool you know intricacy like you know plot detail that that was put in there. So I uh, and then you know the shake and the the who's different than the the mom and who's different than the the leader affair. You know they were like there was very little depth put into them. So I I can't go too high on the villains. I don't know what 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 did you think, Mike? I one hundred percent agree with your read on a lot of that. I could see it being real. I could see the characters' motivations being what they're they very are. real villains. Like I, I like I won't, won't, they're not fake villains. Like I think like yeah. all these people are. But I wanted a little bit more, not of Dodd's backstory, but just of like explaining his motivations and yeah. like how like where where he went from. Like we get this little line about like how he like he's presumed dead because he accidentally called. He killed himself by like giving the wrong coordinates for uh, a drone strike, right? On a mission, yeah. Like I want to know, like, what did he do? Like, why did he? I guess you're supposed to read into that that he was trying to, yeah, you know, fake his own death. That was when he was. That was his plan when he was amid converting and he was about to go to the other side. He had to fake his death, right? Yep. And there were no remains ever found of him. Yep. A little more backstory of like that come what caused him to convert well what, what caused him to well obviously the the catalyst is, is the death of his yes wife and child and the fact that like our, our system is, is set up to like not punish people who have yeah. privilege right but that path yeah the the path that he took to to get there yeah I, I think it's all there i think you have to find it and you have to dig for it uh it's there so maybe bring it to the surface a bit more uh, I, i'll agree with you on I think there's a telling conversation towards the end that's also a bit more of what you and I are thirsting for. And that's when he realizes the difference between himself and the two others in the room Yeah, that are in this plot. And he really sees that they just want to do this for power and control. And to them, it's it's almost lost all of its ideas of morality. And, you know, they're just so into control and, and winning and taking over and converting everyone. And I think he realizes that's not why he got into the game. He got into the game really believing this could be what's best for America. So where you said he turned on America, I would like to see him struggling with him actually believing he didn't turn. He's actually doing what he thinks is best. And I think that makes him compelling, but it didn't come out to the surface enough. And, And there is that small conversation at the end in his head where he is thinking that. And that is why I think ultimately in the epilogue, he sends the text to Salam and says, you know, I trust you to do what you need to do with this. And I read into that ending that Dodd has come around and he said this lost revelation, which I killed people to hide because I thought it would upset the apple cart of what I believe is true, which is Islam. If it gets or out. Do you even think mm-hmm. – uh, sorry to cut you off. I, I was thinking, do you even think up until that point – he didn't even think that it was real. He was just chasing this thing that was, you know, it's a phantom. A it's phantom. a myth. But like once, once he saw, because he's right, he's there in Poplar Forest. Yep. And he sees them turn the wheel and yep. it start to write. I'm almost like I, I was almost thinking that as he sees that, he sees that. Oh wait, this is what I what I've been trying to hide. Yep. I didn't. I didn't actually believe. I was. I just was. You know, trying to get rid of the people who were like sort of causing a stir. But now that I see that, wait, what they were searching for is a real thing, even though it's not really a real thing. But like in in the story, it's a real thing. Then he's like, oh, well, we need to. We need to know. We need to know what that is. Yeah. And people. People need. Or I. I can't be the one to decide that because of right. what I 
chosen to do in the past, but Salam is a better person and he can decide for that. That's 100% the read I had. I would have liked to be inside his head a little bit more as he goes on that transformation. When he sees it. when Right. If we had gotten his like right. perspective right. as he's seeing that, that little clock turn – you know, in thinking like th- that would have been cool to be in his mind there. But there were two other subtle hints, which is that he leaves Gary alive because he tries to tell right. Omar, you won't understand, but I'm not killing someone over this who isn't truly an infidel just because they had a different belief. Like I- I'm not killing for the same purposes you're killing. And then he actually lets the two hostages go back, you know, in Poplar right. Forest. He doesn't kill the man right. and the woman. So we're already seeing one that he's a bit different than the other extremists. And two, he is coming around. He is he is cracking. And then seeing that text revealed, the final text of Muhammad, which did preach peace, I really I really like that. I wish it was elaborated upon more, so you're right. But it works, and it's there, and it's subtle. And then it does come to a head, actually. Speaking of the epilogue and the ending, it does come to a head when he's drunk on the island. When I think Scott has something, it's the drinking Olympics where he's just getting absolutely fucking toasted on this tropical island. That to me, as the reader, we're meant to read into that and infer his worldview has shattered. He he cracked. And yeah. he grief, cracked for, I think, a good reason, right? These previously held beliefs and, and notions and misconceptions that he adopted when he was in grief, he is now kind of free from. But he didn't know how to handle that and turn to the bottle. And ultimately, his way of handling it was, I'm going to die. I'm dejected. And the way George Goodell reads that line, when when Scott or Ramadan, this other guy's like, where is the codex? Or, or where is the cipher? Where's the clock? It's like, it's gone. It, it, all of it. it. It's gone. Like It's over. You can hear this dejection in his voice. He knew he was done. He knew he lost the game. But... He secretly did something from the grave, which was appoint Salam to be the one to decide if this gets told to the world or not. He knew he was broken. He knew he was done. So it's subtle, but I believe the transformation is there. So I wasn't planning to do this. I think I'm going to go to three and a half on, the, go- on the bad guys. I was, I was going to go as low as a three. All that stuff about Dodd. I would go to a four, but I didn't like any of the other bad guys. Yeah, and I think I was going to go to a four too in your sort of description. But then I remembered Ramadan, and he bumps it back down because he's supposed to be this bad guy that I didn't like. So three point five. Yeah, yeah, that that one random guy. I'm like, let's let's drop a point here. No, yeah, three point five. I think Dodd to me, as we spoke, just became a way better villain than I was giving him credit for in my mind. Yeah, if he was the only villain. Like, yeah. you know, and we Lone like, never character. really met. Yeah. We never really met. Like he, he had like these shadowy figures that were like sort yep. of guiding him, but we, we didn't really interact with them that yep. much. We didn't really interact with them that much, but like we got a little bit of context to them. If we, if we had less of that, I'd be like, he would have been elevated more. He would have I been agree. more interesting. He would have been a better, a much better villain on his own. Yep. I agree with you. All right. What about the good guys, Mike? All right. I'm going to keep this one kind of snappy. I really liked it. I mean, I think. We've been going long on a lot of things today. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, a lot of monologues here about stuff. Um, well, well, this is a book that demands that. I think. I think this it is do, a, it, it does it does a thinker's book. Yeah, you you need to dialogue about this book, or you know, I think a lot of things could get lost or misconstrued. This is probably one of the first books where we actually had, you know, we obviously we were able to fill content. And talk about all the books in this manner. But this one almost like it, there, there was no struggle to find things to talk about. Right. Like, you know, not, not that I say we, I struggle sometimes. But just like, you know, some of the other things we, we nitpick. It's just like, you know, it's it's a book about a guy killing terrorists. You know, like <laughs> that's <laughs> what it is. But this one almost <laughs> demands right. you yeah. to It's to a conversation. It. You story. know, we've never – Exactly. We, and we, we rarely have in this genre, you know, things that like pique the interest and yeah. elicit dialogue after right. after reading it. So Right. This is one of them for sure. 
So, all right. Anyways, we we were gonna keep it snappy on the good guys, and I I, I held you up. Sorry. Yeah, uh, kind of liked Osbeck and Rasmussen and his team at the CIA. Thought what they were doing kind of cool. Carolyn Leonard definitely loved that she's brought back in. You know, one of my favorite Secret Service agents uh, in this story. Uh, kind of like those kind of side good guys were okay. They were good, but who was great to me was Nichols. Really enjoyed. Yeah, the no, he professor. Was cool. Yeah, really enjoyed the history professor as a sidekick for Scott. The same way VJ in Rising Tiger was a sidekick that elevated Scott. I think Nichols is is doing the same thing here. And in the background, this idea of Salam and Marwan Khalifa and Noor, we didn't spend a lot of time with them, but I think what they represented was really cool. I think each one of those, I hate, I hate to say this, but what Brad would have earlier said is the good Muslims or – you know, the, the the ones who I think represent the truth of things or the everyday life of, of things in the culture. I'm really glad that they were on page and they were characters, even if just in the background. I love Marwan, like this grandfather kind of figure, Noor and Salam, the younger generation, Steve Nichols coming at it from an academic historian perspective. I really love that there was a cast of the good guys on the opposite side of the debate from what Dodd and the Sheikh represented. Alright. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on the Nichols aspect of it. I think he's probably the best character besides Brad or besides Brad, besides Scott in this novel. The Iden aspect was an interesting character and again, he wasn't given too much of a backstory and it was almost like he served this purpose to have, you know, to sort of piece together certain things. You know, this, the attack because it was almost like you were reading, and you're like, "Come on, just put together the pieces and and figure out that that this bombing in Paris mm-hmm. that Scott was at, like, is is involved with your you know attack at the you know Thomas Jefferson. Like, come on, like we we could put the pieces together way quicker than Osbeck could, right? Yeah. That you know these were somehow related, and I do think like he had some of the cooler action pieces, like you know e- even like it wasn't cool that he let Scott you know, essentially put Scott out for bait, right? Like at Tripoli in Annapolis at the Tripoli Tripoli monument. Yeah. Um, and this guy, like one guy running in and he's just a courier. And then this other guy coming and tackling him. Scott's like, who the hell is this guy? Um, also some weak, like CIA spy stuff from Osbeck that I was like, come on, dude. Like the whole reason that his one agent gets killed is because he parks his, he parks his car like right in front of the house, like, and doesn't realize that it was raining. So the guy's going to see that like, you just rolled up yeah. like uh and then also he's the one who gets his his car um bugged right that's how he's able to exactly to, gets tracked to follow him yeah it's kind of weird um yeah so like there was just he, he wasn't like super interesting but you know he had some some cool things oh, um hold up hold up i was gonna give a three and a half to the good guys you know why i'm bumping it to a four why? Musa, bro. The cab driver. Ah, uh, the cab driver was pretty cool. Dude, yeah, Musa yeah, yeah. was a He G. saved Scott's life. He waits outside the mosque, and he and he says he's going to wait for Scott, but he might be at the cafe across the street if it takes a long time. Scott goes to the cafe. There's a big shootout. He's chased by Dodd. And all of a sudden, as Scott's about to get beat in the street by Dodd, Musa comes out of nowhere with the cab and runs the guy over. Uh, I I just love the loyalty of this guy just because a cab driver and you had a good vibe for a ride. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're so hospitable. You'll wait for him. You you know, you'll protect him. And then he even just drives him back as if nothing happened. It's like, oh, I just love that character. I think these periphery characters that show the mainstream side of Islam, not the extremist or the zealots or the Islamists, but the just everyday, I'm a character living in Vichy Subois, this you know, rundown neighborhood of Paris. Or even there's a father and a son in the mosque chase. They're like hiding out in a door and Scott kicks in the door. He's like, come with me. It's like, do you guys know where the exit is? I love the portrayal of just everyday people being who they are, doing what they do, even Noor and Salam and Marwan. Anyway, I'm going up to four on good guys. I think that's more than just the good guys we've come to love. Lawler, the president, Tracy, Scott. It's more of these periphery characters that flesh out the Islamic world that I don't think Brad would have showed that side of everyday people in some other writings. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm also giving it four. That's mainly bolstered by Nicholas, my my the professor. Yes. But it's also bolstered by someone who I'm actually going to save to talk about until my free space because Ooh. he's going he's going to get my free space. Ooh. So I I I, I don't want to bring him up now, but he, I'm intrigued. It's sort of both both a good guy. We haven't talked about him yet. Um, we've talked Ooh. about the scene, not I'm talking about him yet, but uh, I'll save it till we get to the free space. Oh, I'm intrigued. I might have an idea, but very interesting. All right, setting. Tell me, we talked a bit about the globe trotting earlier. We don't have to rehash it all, but what would you rank the setting of this novel? I'm I'm going to give it a solid four. I I I'm think I'm more bought on the setting than you are in terms yeah. of the descriptions. And again, I think it was um, the descriptions woven in with the history lessons that I I bought in. Again, like I said, I bought in on the natural the nas- national treasure Da Vinci Code aspect of this novel really early on, and I think that was seen and evident throughout the setting and, and how it was described. I'm a sucker for Paris. So <laughs> anytime we go to Paris and again, listening to George and being in Paris, it just, it gave me various, you know, how many times I feel like, did we go to Paris multiple times with, uh, with um, Mitch? I, I think a couple times at least. Probably. Yeah. So I, and I texted you, I was like, What's going on with, you know, how'd you feel about this novel? And the second question I texted you was, when the hell are we getting Armin Schultz? Because we had Armin Schultz for the first novel. And then we, we, we listened to these books on Scribe. And he you can listen to either the abridged version or the unabridged version. And obviously, we're, we're unabridged people. <laughs> we're not giving you the abridged version on, on this uh, Unfortunately, on this Scott Harvath books are the ones where I think I might kind of be okay with abridged. Uh, really? I know I said absolutely not, never with Mitch Rapp and Vince Flynn, ever, 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 never with a Jack Carr or anybody. Something about Brad's style, I think just, it could really work in a four-hour condensed abridged version. Uh, this might be heresy right here. You know, I might be an apostate, but um, <laughs> I, I think if any thriller was going to get cut down, I'm, I think a Brad Thor can work in a shorter format where you leave out some of the extemporaneous details but i i digress anyways uh but the reason i bring up the abridged is because while george does the unabridged armand's been doing all of the abridged are you but, serious yeah so this is the oh. last one where george reads the main one the the unabridged and so the next one we we start the kick with armand schultz and i'm pretty sure he goes unless there's like one book where he could just couldn't do it but we're gonna have armand for for the rest and I so, didn't know that. you know, just listening to George and being in Paris, it just, it gave, it gave me Vince Flynn vibes. And I was just, you know, reminiscing about doing the Vince Flynn pod with you and, or the Mitch Rapp pod with you. So I got to give it a four, man. I can't, I can't go lower than a four. I think you brought me up a little bit. Yeah. I, um, I thought a little bit too many of the settings were flybys, uh, especially at the end. Maybe I'm leaning a little too much on that bitter taste that it left me at the end when we're randomly in the Virgin Islands for God knows why, no reason. Yeah, I think um, don't don't think about it. Like just because okay. think about the consent to kill uh, ending. You right. know, like we were randomly on this beach. Yeah. All right. So Paris, you're right. That would be a five out of five. A lot of the Virginia stuff, Monticello, Poplar Forest, like, a lot of the details were given, maybe a little too much. That would be a four and a half, five. The other cities we Annapolis. went to, I don't think I can count them, like uh, Baltimore or these other random places that we just popped in for for half a scene. Rome, you know, in the open. Yeah, although that was cool. Mm. No, he did get a decent description description of the library in Rome. Yeah, that. Was and we cool. go to Annapolis. We go to the Naval Academy. You know, Baltimore. He could depict anywhere in the. You know, he could have picked Columbia that his apartment was at, and he wouldn't have to give a description of that. You know, it's just a random suburban place. So. All right, you got me. I'm going for you got me. All right, you got me. Yeah, I got you. you I got, got you. Uh, let's let's knock our free spaces out of the way. That way, we can end with a little cover chat. What do you say? Oh yeah, because there's there's a there's one cover that oh my what the hell is going on here? But all right, dude. <laughs> yeah, there's one I put there. Oh yeah, well. We got to talk about that. So let's do the free space before we go on yet another tangent for this podcast when we talk covers. 
I'm intrigued though. What's your free space? Who is it? Rasmussen? Who? No, 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 no. How can I leave him my five? I have no idea because he got shot in the shoulder and that was that and went to a hospital. Like I'm trying to figure out who did no, we not talk so about. So, what do all of these? You know, Cindy and Parker. No, 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 no. Oh yeah, that, that's another one. Wait, wait, wait. Because I, I like I like seeing them. It's got to be Bullet. It's got to be Bullet. No, it's not Bullet. Oh damn it! What, what is National Treasure, Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons, uh, the other one that was a bad movie with Dan Brown, uh, even the Raiders of the Lost Ark, what do they all have in common that like you need this linchpin character to solve a mystery? Nicolas Cage. <laughs> no. <laughs> you have to have a docent that like has been working at a place for years and and <laughs> and the knows expert. You know, he's an expert, expert, but but he's but it's not he's not like a he's not the professor, he's like an okay. everyday guy. But okay. just because he works there and like he like the dude and the Brad even describes him as this you know like heavyweight. I'm imagining like some like Santa Claus looking guy, absolutely wearing suspenders, absolutely. Even says like he makes this sucking like sound with his tongue. You know, like <laughs> yeah, I know about that. You know, like. <laughs> This guy like doesn't seem educated, but he's like freaking brilliant, and he like he's probably just as much as a Thomas Jefferson scholar as Nichols is, as you know, Nichols, just be- yeah. by by being around it. Dude, you're I right. love that dude, you know, and he's in like every novel. Like I, I think of like there's one of the docents in oh the lost not the lost symbol, but the one where they're in they're in um uh it was why can't I think of this? Anyways, it's a, it's a Dan Brown novel, but there, there's one where they're oh they're in Milan, the Inferno, yeah yeah. yeah. We're all about Dante and this guy, like, yep, yep. you know, he's just he's a, a random Italian. Got to have the but guy. He works at the at the museum. You got to have the, the docent at the museum that knows something. So yeah, I, I got to. He's my free space, dude. That one came out of left field. I I, I didn't see it coming, but you you are absolutely right. Even the woman, the, the like woman, the administrator. Yeah, uh, no, and she, yeah. she you can include her in the in the guy at Poplar Forest. Like we like, open in five minutes, but I'll let you climb this ladder and take a part a clock from 300 years ago that's very important to our museum (laughs) okay she's like be be careful be careful let's just be honest she's not very good at her job like if that's happening (laughs) and then the the one thing was crazy like we i all right i said you could take off the mantelpiece but i didn't say anything about like dismantling the the chim like the brickwork like you know hammering in there (laughs) that's literally like nicholas cage walking up in the archives and going Excuse me, I need to look at the back of the Constitution. They go, okay, right this way, sir. And then they take it out of the case and just just hand it to them. <laughs> All right, I said you could look at the the you know it's the independent. Uh, what is it? The um, it's the Declaration of Independence. I said you could look at the back of it. I didn't say you could put lemon juice on it, right? To, to <laughs> and put it in an oven, you know. <laughs> oh, that's mad funny. That's good. I mean, I, this was not going to be my free space, but dude. When Bullet comes out at the end, on the epilogue, out of the boat, the SS Harvard. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was so awesome. I absolutely love seeing Bullet and Light Out, because Tracy is, you know, not feeling well, and she's like, I'll go anywhere, and then Bullet's there. Oh, it was so sweet. Really enjoyed that. Does Tracy die? Does Tracy die? Dude, I don't remember. She that's has to. She, at this point, she has to, right? That's what I was saying earlier of this, like, transition away from the Lawler tracy sargasso group kind of context and into the next phase which is the troll reed carlton and you know everything else that comes up i don't remember how we get there i I really don't remember the next few books of how we fade out of one and into the other because when does is lawler still around i forget does he have a big moment he was he was he was just in rising tiger he had come back right he he wasn't in a couple but then he came back in rising tiger right okay but he's got he, like what phases him out for a little while, you know. I'm like, and the whole OIAA, and when he transitions to a different role and doesn't do this, like Scott doesn't do this anymore. I don't remember how it all happened. So Tracy's got to die, and what's crazy is like the current Scott with Sonia, and and his other relationships. I'm like, what happened that we move on from Tracy so easily, if you will, or is it just memory fades? Like that's how the human brain works of like you you do move on and i don't know i don't remember what happens with her yeah i don't know because also i remember when laura dies that being so impactful oh it's huge that was that back i would have felt cheap i would have felt that that was cheap yeah 
if it had also happened before to Scott. So maybe she doesn't die. Maybe she just like has to move on from him because of her, you know, you know, typical like they have to go apart because you know, yeah. pick Anna, like not Anna, but but Meg or or Claudia, you right. know, like one of those. They do it amicably. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're yeah, right. But at the end of this novel, they're like they're like they're like this, you know. So Laura's hit it's going to so be hard. Something, especially because she he has that connection to Laura's son and Laura's family, so. It's definitely, it's on book watch for sure. Yeah, the way he's talking about Tracy right now is actually shocking to me, how she's everything to him. Yes, I didn't remember that. Because I I remember remember when Lara gets lost, it's so like, it it shatters his universe. I'm like, wait, I didn't know that happened to him just years prior, right? Presumably. Because Rutledge is in office, you know, so it's like, it's not all that long ago. You just lost who you professed as the love of your life already, so... You're right. Yeah. Yeah. That's on watch. Yeah. All right. So what's your free space? Oh, free space. I didn't even get there. Um, Loved all these things, but <laughs> I'm going to give my free space to three very quick, quippy quotes that absolutely crushed. <laughs> I didn't oh, have a sure. lot of quotes to pull out. I did last earlier in the conversation, but I haven't recently. But these three take the cake, man, might be some of Brad's best one liners. And, and he's he's got the zingers. Brad Thor. He's got zingers, and and these three take the cake. I'm going to go in order from my third, second, to first favorite. Third is when he's going to the White House and looking at the Secret Service agents, he says, be polite to everyone you meet, but have a plan on how to kill them. Ah, yeah, that's a good one. I I like it. I like it. And I said that was a habit Harveth still employed to this day. Second one, we talked about Matthew Dodd. Love this guy. Matthew Dodd's balls weren't simply big. They were enormous. <laughs> Some of the things Dodd pulls, uh, he, he goes out on a limb there, and he, he's got the iron balls. But we're just talking Tracy. And, dude, my winner is this quote, this very short quote. Harveth didn't get PTSD. He gave it. Dude. That was going to be my uh, – it's, it's still going to be my uh, my going out uh, quote. Oh, that's your closing? Okay. Well, here's the full thing. In response to, to thinking about Tracy, he says, A couple of friends suggested that maybe he was suffering from PTSD, but in the world of an army colonel he once cross-trained with, Harveth didn't get PTSD. He gave it. Dude. That's badass. That's, that's a crazy line, man. You can't write that shit today, though. You know? You, you, <laughs> no, you, you can't. can't. You can't. <laughs> yeah you definitely can it doesn't it doesn't hold up in the test of time but when it was written and when you read it it's like oh fuck yeah all right we've got some rather bizarre things to get into here with the covers dude (laughs) i've been waiting for this one (laughs) oh oh my god oh my god all right all right so let's let's break this up into two parts let's back up um let's back up all right let's talk about the Good covers, yes, or like the 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 real covers, and yes. then let's talk about the ridiculous covers. Yeah, let let's let's be real here for a minute. Cover F is friggin' awesome. Yeah, A, B, and F, I think, are really good covers. And Hands F down. is probably probably my favorite. I don't know. I love that that color blue. Yes, I love the. Is that what's the red next to the thriller? Is that like? Oh, that's a good. I didn't see that. Oh, it's a, it's blood. I think it's blood. Oh, it's blood. All right. I think when right. he writes in blood, when he pricks his finger. Oh, when he yeah, that's cool. I didn't see that, dude. That's that's cool. It's such a simple cover, and I think it's part of a whole series. I'm pretty sure we've gotten ones in that in that vein for all of the Brad books. And that that is one of the best. F might be one of my favorite covers. Period. Yeah, and then so B is the newest line, like yes. the the most recent. Um, and I think it's pretty cool. You know, it's got like yeah. this sort of new age V shaped flag with. I'm guessing is that Notre the, Dame. Notre Dame. So that you know, obviously we're in Paris. Like yep. perfect. Like pretty sure that's the location. Dame. That's actually yeah. No, 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 it is with the minaret and yeah. Yep. Or the um, pre-fire. Pre-fire, obviously. (laughs) Uh, 
you picked a location that was in the book. Congratulations. Exactly. <laughs> we, we don't we, we don't go to Notre Dame, but at least where you picked a, a monument for like probably the most. If you didn't, you, you could have put the it's in the city. there, but it's in the city. It counts. Yeah. We're we're judging this cover by the book, and it counts. And then A is cool because isn't don't they reference? I don't know if they reference this the seal. I don't know, but it even though it has very probably very little to do with the book, you know, it's still not a bad cover. Yeah, I like the lettering on this one the best. I think A is like that classic, very simple design that you could put on any, any military, thriller. yeah, any military <laughs> yeah. thriller, and it works. That could be any Vince Flynn book, any Brad Thor book. It's not doing enough to get the top spot from me to knock off sure. B or F, yeah, yeah. but no, it's F, a F, solid F better. stock military thriller cover. You know, like great, and the colors are cool. I like the blue and gold. All right, let's now we got to get into the we got to get into the little the little the, the next tier down. Let's ease our way in here. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ease our way in here with with cover C, cover C for you OG original Mitch Rap Pod listeners. Cover C is straight up cover C. It's got the power it lines. Is. It's got the traffic signals. It's got a dude walking in the middle of nowhere, and it's got god awful color scheme. So, cover C is doing what cover C does best. <laughs> Can't think of anything it has to do with except for outside the mosque when Musa comes up with the taxi, but that's clearly not a cab. I don't see a mosque, and the man is just kind of walking. Scott nearly died when Musa rolled in with that cab and hit Dodd. Scott was ready to die. This guy is just chilling. That doesn't look like a Parisian street. That doesn't look like a Parisian street. That looks like, I don't know, some highway in LA or something, you know? I, I don't know. Right. Right. I, I, Honestly, cover C makes zero sense to me. It's god awful, and surprisingly, it's not the worst cover here. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what? It, explain to me what D is. I cannot explain to you what it is, but it seems to have something to do with Islam, something or other. It just tends to have that kind of pattern to me. The only thing I could think of is one of the gears with the clock or some sort of. Like they called it the Bismala gear or something. I, I don't know. It's a kind of cool design if I could figure out what it was. But, yeah. Yeah, so like obviously it's supposed to elicit this like, all right, some sort of puzzle piece, you know, and have some sort of relationship to that. That's what I, I even yeah, like though I don't, I can't clearly, yeah, I can't, some sort of cryptograph, you know, would have been cool if maybe that was a wheel cipher, you know, or mm. a pu- like an actual puzzle box. Like, but all right, I'll, I'll give it that. It's not the best cover. It's yeah. definitely below all the rest, but it's not egregious. That's like C for effort. You know, like you, you gave it a shot. Everybody gets a ribbon, except you don't get a nice ribbon. Right. All right. Let's, before we get to the worst cover, the probably the most provocative cover I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, let's go to cover E where we have this, like, at first I thought it was a fire, but it's just, it's just like dark clouds with like a sniper in the sky. And then do you, is that London? That's, uh, it looks like London to me on first guess, which would make that zero looks like sense. the eye. It looks like the eye of London. You see the London eye in the background. I don't get it. If that's the case. With some sniper dude up top, like, what the hell are you pointing at? It, it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, no, that, those are the buildings next to the London Eye. Right, so exactly. I, I, doesn't make any we sense. We weren't in London at all, right? Nope. And we have a little bit of a face, which you know how I feel about my face problem. So, yeah. Yeah. And yet again, surprisingly, it's not the worst. Not the worst. Here. All right, we, we got to get to the elephant in the room then. This cover G O M G Tracy Hastings. There she is. Tracy. <laughs> Does she have the glassy eye? Like, isn't Tracy supposed to be blonde? What the fuck is this cover? Dude. Sorry. Like, I I almost didn't that out. It. When I make El these ultimo covers. Patr- what is this, Italian? Is that Italian? So it's Italian. When, when I make these covers, I go through Goodreads, and when you open yeah. a book, there's a button to see all editions. And some of them have like 20, 30, 40 editions, not because there's that many different covers, but it's like repeated, right? Like the same cover sure. pops up 10, 12 times because it was an audiobook. You know, 
it was right, st- right, on right, CD. Right. It was book on tape. It was Kindle, and then it's Nook, and so and then it's hardcover, then it's softcover, and then it's re-released five years later. So there's like on some of these like 20, 30 different covers you scroll through, and I pick the four or five that have various designs. Well, the very bottom of the list, buried on the third page, the absolute last one, this chick pops up, and I am just thinking in my mind. This can't be real. This can't be real. What the fuck is going on? And then, so first thing in my mind, I go, it's just an error, right? Someone posted this here. It's got the wrong name. And knowing Italian, I go, l'ultimo patriota. I'm like, oh, no, that literally means the last patriot. Like, oh, crap. And then it says Brad Thor. I'm like. This is legit. Like, no, there was no other movie, book, or anything, L'Ultimo Patriota, that I could find. I start Googling it. There was one, like, vintage, antique, used book website, only website on the internet, that claims they have one copy of this edition. And, dude, I was thinking about buying it. I just, you should buy it. <laughs> you should buy it. Here's my problem, though. I don't know where this image came from. I don't want to spend like 50, 60 bucks in euros. Wait for this thing to get shipped to me three months from now. And then it's just a paperback copy of cover fucking C, you know, like, and this was just some (laughs) stock image that they just copy pasted. But then there's this segretissimo. I'm like the big secret 1588. (laughs) What is this? What is 1588? I have no idea, dude. I couldn't. Is that a publishing house? I'm going to send you the link. Let me search L'Ultimo Patriota. Um, you know who else speaks Italian? Mitch Rapp. Scott knows French. Scott knows French. All right, here it is. Mitch Rapp knows French, too. I'm going to send you this link, dude. It's a literally a random website. They have this picture. Okay, and dude, even the description in Italian is the book jacket summary. So somehow this Mondadori company believes they have a copy of this like i don't you know what to it. let it'll me see how much so funny we'll have an unboxing it'll, it'll be so <laughs> funny if it's a, a cover c if it's just the cover c <laughs> i would be so mad dude i would be so absolutely anyways mad. you know i guess this is a, a, a not a visual medium so you're not seeing this but anyways there is a picture of a woman <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't even get into it that's how outrageous it is scantily dressed <laughs> In like black, you know, leather. Leather is that leather? <laughs> not not very tactical. <laughs> let's just she, she's holding an assault gear. weapon, so let's just say she's fully strapped and fully loaded. <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> with like some explosions going off in the background. Oh my god, I am, I am perplexed. I need <laughs> to get Brad. I you should you should I want to. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you normally we put all the covers when we when we put these little the little thumbnail for our pod. Mike, you, you got to put only this cover as the <laughs> thumbnail, and then I'm gonna tag Brad on it, and I want to ask him what did you know about this cover? <laughs> okay, so so here's the thing: I found the website. It, it seems like some sort of international like Goodreads type of thing. And it says okay. 10 people have this edition in their library. So I think that's just like a digital library or something. But it says one is willing to exchange it because they do like a book exchange. You click on that one and it's a guy named Valer living in Sesto San Giovanni, Italy. He's reviewed 388 books and he says he's willing to exchange this copy according to this random website. And I click his name. I can message him. <laughs> Do I make an account you on should. this website and message this dude? Please message him and just ask him, can you take a picture of your copy? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. I, I anyway, or we, we got to give our scores on these. We got to give our scores. What, Folks, I, if, if I get my hands on a copy of this book, you're going to I think it. it's got to be a five. I think it's got to be a five. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. For because sheer, of this shit, I'm for sheer it brazenness, I got to give it a five. I'm going just five. for the laughs that I've gotten in this pod <laughs> for the entertainment entertainment factor, bro. Although I'm legit giving a five to cover F cover F is just absolutely banging. So <laughs> five for a great number of reasons. And once I realized that was a little blood stain, like that makes cover F even better. So 
Oh, dude, that little blood stain was was a great find. And cover B for that line of these new release paperbacks. This cover B, Last Patriot, is pretty good. But most of the new covers we've seen in this line that Brad's been giving away on his socials, he's giving away copies as they come out. Hot take, they haven't looked great, but this one's pretty good. One's egregious when we get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's a couple rough ones in there. All right, so what is the total score here? You rounded out with a 40.5. I just am a little bit lower at a 39.5. I, I think that fairly represents how you and I felt about this book. What do you, what do you think about those scores? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd have to agree. I'd have to agree, yeah. I think looking at the whole host of our scores so far in the series, that's definitely not in the top tier for either of us. It's, you know, low to mid 40s has been where some of the books we've really liked have been. So I think it makes sense. This one's hovering definitely above blowback, which I gave a 26 out of 52. <laughs> That's like when I write F on the kids' papers and red pen. This one is definitely and above circle that. It. Yeah. By yeah a no, I think market. this is a just off the top of my head, this is above path and this is above blowback. And I don't think anything else at the moment. So it's probably on par with a state of the union, a little bit worse than a first commandment kind of yeah. realm. I think the scores yeah. will roughly yeah, reflect agree. that. Yeah. Little less than a first commandment, I would say. Takedown's better. Takedown's better. Um and Lions is better. And Lions I better. think Rising Tiger is better. So Yeah. I, I think grand scheme of things, this is gonna be a middle of the pack type of book. Middle of the pack. Maybe sure. middle, depending on how things go, because I, I know the, this series is about to take off soon in a couple of books it, from now. It so is. It is. Because so. of that, I think it's lower middle of the pack. I think it's bottom of the middle of the pack because I know what's coming, the good stuff that's coming. Right. Right. Dude, we haven't potted in a while, but this has been a blast. Dude, this is a good pod. Two, two hours strong, man. All right. Uh, and let me end the way the book ends when we want to know what the word that was translated in Thomas Jefferson's understanding of Muhammad's final revelation that according to the story he uncovered and that word was salam peace absolutely love that as a finishing touch that the president wants to know what word Thomas Jefferson got from Muhammad's final revelation and it was peace and I think that's a great way to end all right, next time you hear from us, we'll be on the Thriller podcast feed doing In the Devil's Hand by Jack Carr. So go read up on that. Again, we have to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Den Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, Mark, and Rod. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at thrillerpod.com, which Mike has made amazing updates too go check that out or on twitter and instagram at thriller podcast and as always peace, peace.